0: Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee.
1: Here's John McCure. Hope your Thursday's going great. Sandy Max is here. So is Greg Matzik, Debbie Lazaga, Adam Roberts producing the show this afternoon. All right, let's get to it. This is the 3, three. at 3 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.
2: All right, Sandy, what's up first? A new food option rolling out for patrons at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino.
1: That's right. Brand new dining experience. It's a thing out there called the Pottawatomie Marketplace. This is going to be pretty cool. It's kind of a quick service dining option, grab and go and snacks, but it's going to have actual food. It's a new restaurant concept that at the end of the day, a couple months down the road, will house seven different spaces with seven different cuisines. Right now, Burger Company and Project Pizza are the first to go in. But, added in the coming months, a place called Mini and Wow, Small Bar, Gilded Cleaver, Queen of Ramen, and Taco (laughs) Spot.
2: I like Queen of Ramen as a restaurant title. I'm
1: curious. (laughs) Sounds good. At least you know what they're serving at Queen of Ramen. (laughs) Mini and Wow and Small Bar, Gilded Cleaver. I'm not sure, but Potawatomi continues to get back on their feet following the pandemic. What's next?
2: After 18 years, the person responsible for stealing an iconic pair of shoes... Has officially been charged
1: yes so this is a strange story so Judy Garland Museum housed one of four pairs of the beautiful slippers that were worn by Judy Garland and in 2005 they were stolen someone broke into a case got in and out in a matter of moments and stole the shoes the shoes were recovered in 2018 now five years later someone is finally being charged they're appraised at three and a half million dollars three and a half million dollars they've been recovered they're in evidence now so it's not sure what will happen to the shoes during down the road but uh, this is good news
2: you hope they go back to the museum and this was a fascinating story to me because of all the detective work that has gone on and there are a pair of ruby slippers at the smithsonian right and they compared these shoes to those because you don't want forged ruby slippers you have to actually charge this guy with the actual theft so it was a fascinating story and i'm a huge wizard of oz fan
1: he'll get 10 years in prison if he's convicted all right what's the third story
2: Coming soon to a street near you, the famous Oscar Mayer Frank-Mobile?
1: Yeah, this isn't going to cut the mustard.
2: <laughs> this
1: is, uh, This is. they're changing the name of the Wiener-Mobile after 100 years to the Frank-Mobile. What are we doing? 27-foot-long, six-ton hot dog on wheels. Come on! Uh, this may be the worst idea ever. I
3: relish the opportunity to hear more.
1: Yeah. We should all relish that. This might not be the biggest crime, but it's definitely a Mr. Wiener. Hmm.
2: Oh, wow. That was a little bit of a stretch, my friend. Let's a be frank. Bit a this st- is awful. Oh, my gosh.
1: I mean, this is just weird. Why? Why are you doing this? They want to promote that their hot dogs are 100% beef franks. So they're rolling it out. It's going to say Frank Mobile all over it. And on the back, it says, please do not lick. This is very, very strange. No,
3: this is all about Wiener. And that's all this is. This is about removing the wiener from the mobile.
2: And that's you what makes to... it iconic. It's right. fun, and it's it... funny. And the wiener whistle exactly. that you get? Yeah. All the stuff. Is that going to be a Frank whistle now? That's not no. the same.
3: That's yeah. not the same. This is a bad this, this idea. This is succumbing to pressure. If you Why? Want
2: to... The Frank mobile will be coming to you in Verona, Sun Prairie, and Beaver Dam next month. But
1: I'm not going to visit it. I'm out. Heck no. I'm done. This is one of those... They're dead to me.
2: I was going to say brand... Missed, yeah, it, it's just off the mark. It's so beloved and so fun. So Somebody the drivers, came up with, uh, the
1: people who drive this thing around have been called hot doggers. We had a hot dogger on the show, as a matter of fact. Uh, they're getting their, their name changed, too. They're going to be called the Frankfurters. Of course they are. See, it used to be a rite of passage.
3: You see it on the road. You try to yes. catch up to it. I'm yes. no longer going to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm done. Out. 314 at WTMJ. Hey, Shared Revenue. We've been talking about this, and people in Milwaukee County, the leaders, are celebrating because it's going to mean a lot more money for them. Well, not everybody's created equal. What does it mean for places like Waukesha County? The Waukesha County Paul executive, Paul Farrow, is with us live up next here on WTMJ. Mm-hmm. Paul Farrow, what are the really good guys is the Waukesha County Executive, and he is with us this afternoon on the WTMJ Hotline. You know, we don't give this number out to everybody, but Paul Farrow has it. Paul, how you doing?
4: I'm good, you guys. How are you doing?
1: Good. It's so good to have you here with us. So, Paul, we're talking a lot about this shared revenue proposal, and it's still there's still work to be done. It's not finalized. The Assembly has passed a version, as you know. Now it's on to the state Senate, and the governor will weigh in. Uh, you're not a fan of this shared revenue proposal as it's currently drafted. Take us inside and explain why, if you live in Waukesha County, this isn't a great deal.
4: Sure, John. When you look at it and you listen to the rhetoric that's coming out of Madison, the speaker yesterday said that this is in a historic situation. We're putting more money into shared revenue. We are tying some of the sales tax, so the growth will be there. But when they talk about it that way, as I've said before, that means we're probably not going to come back to this for another 10, 20 years. The last time we did any major changes was in 2004. So as we look at the numbers, and now that it, the, the bill has been out, they've passed it, I can sit here and look at the numbers. Waukesha County, we're the third largest county in the state and on so many different categories, will receive $9.45 per person in the shared revenue formula. To give you a comparison, Milwaukee, just to our east, will receive $58.14 per person. So the concern I have is we're not going to come back to this. The amount we're talking about, it's about $3.5 million for Waukesha County, is just barely enough to help us in 2024's budget. By 2025, we're back to square one trying to figure out how we're going to make ends meet.
1: So $50 difference per person between Waukesha County and Milwaukee County. I know we don't want to really get in the weeds, but is there an, an easy way to explain why there's such disparity?
4: There really there not I mean, we know that Milwaukee has a number of different areas, and they have challenging issues. They have a population of 900,000. We have 400,000. You know, so there's a number of variables that are there. I think the biggest thing is when they put this formula together, and when you think about the speakers come out and said he's not willing to negotiate anymore, I find it interesting because we spent five months trying to put a pieces together, got the, the information out three weeks ago, that means the bill was out. So we've only been talking about what we can actually see for three weeks. This formula is very convoluted, and it's one of those where they're trying to help everybody. And in the end, we knew there's going to be winners and losers. I was just hoping that I wasn't going to be the last of everything in the state. Cities, villages, towns, counties, when you put them all on a list, Waukesha County is dead last at how much we're receiving.
1: Paul, I think we've got a big problem here. If you're a fan of shared revenue, the referendum issue is at the center of all this. Robin Voss comes out and says that he's done negotiating, as you just clarified. He's done negotiating. And he has said that if others insist on the this not going to referendum, that will kill the deal. We had Devin Lemahue on the show this week, and he said, we're not going to vote for the referendum part of this. This should not be in the bill. The governor says this should not be in the bill. Are you surprised that... Robin Voss has doubled down, drawn a line in the sand, and basically said, I know the other chamber hasn't drafted their legislation yet, but we're done negotiating. This is what it is.
4: I don't know if I'm surprised or not surprised. I think what it is, they want to get, get this complete and move forward before the budget process really gets underway. So we know where we, we have. we got the consistency in the shared revenue and can move forward with it. Uh, the challenge is, John, as you said, there are still a lot of questions. And is it a resolution by the county council, by the county board, that can pass the sales tax, or does it have to go to a referendum of the people? Um, There's different opinions on both. You know, you've heard it. I know Tim's been on a couple of times, Tim Sheehy, and talking about how Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee are truly impacted by more than just the people that live there because of the way this whole region works. So I think there's a lot of conversation. I think that's something that still has to be hashed out and decided upon. My whole thing, too, is when you look at the formula, they put in some new components. And one of the things they put variables in, we'd like to see a couple of those variables changed. and I think it would help everybody out. So it's still an opportunity now that we see pieces to try to put the puzzle together. And it's a shame that the speaker has decided that he doesn't want to work on the puzzle anymore.
2: Speaking with Waukesha County Executive Paul Farrow, Paul, two questions. Do you think there's any chance that you can negotiate with him, convince him to have a discussion to change some of those variables? Is there any reality to that?
4: Sure. Sandy, there is. And I've known Robin for, you know, since I've been, I came in the, in the legislature in 2011 and served with him, and I served um, in the Senate with him. I think there are opportunities, and I think Robin will be open. But the challenge is to make sure we know what are what are we trying to do? What is the final end goal that we're looking on the piece? And is this really it? Or is there other pieces that he still wants to put in there that we have to figure out? And that's what the discussions will be. And we'll keep trying to keep talk to him about what we can do.
2: So if nothing changes, and as you illustrated, you don't think another shared revenue plan would come about for another 10 or 20 years, and the money that you've been allotted for Waukesha County does run out by 2025, what other options will you need to look at to fund the county?
4: Well, that's the challenge for us. And we sit every single year figuring out what can we do and where can we go. We are one of four counties in the state of Wisconsin that does not have a county sales tax. And I have been told by a number of legislators going through this process, you still have that variable out there. I kind of find it ironic that the legislature was sitting on a very large budget, $43 billion is telling us that if we needed our revenue, we should implement a tax instead of giving us more of the taxes that our, our people here in Waukesha County are sending to Madison. And that's kind of irritating. It's one of those where that's our last ditch effort to save things, but we'll keep looking at what we can do. And I got a great team here in the county that has worked every single year to come up with a bond rating. That's AAA across the board, which means we're fiscally prudent and we're still providing the level of services that we can to the people in Waukesha County.
1: Waukesha County Executive Paul Farrow, it's always good to have you on. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, you guys. Here's why this is so problematic. Robin Voss, from a political standpoint, has now come out in the midst of, while this is not done and people are negotiating and people are working behind the scenes and said I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not negotiating. We're not changing the bill substantially. It is done. Why would he come out and actually say that when there's still work being done? He came out and actually said it while there's work still being done because he means it. He doesn't want to change it. You know how much face he now loses if he goes back and says... You know what What I said on Wednesday, May 17th, about this being done and not negotiating, and now I'm going to give up a major tenant like I'm going to take out the referendum requirement? He loses all credibility and all face. I don't see how he can go back on that. This is a big, big problem if you think that and hope that this deal is going to get done. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. 1050 shoes 1025 pairs donated by Packers running back Aaron Jones many of them will be on the feet of young athletes in our area soon as Jones offered 85 pairs to students at Milwaukee's Audubon Middle and High School in Milwaukee WTMJ's Tony Cartagena caught up with number 33
0: treating people how you want to be treated a simple hello um you never know what people are going through so you just taking their time and you know being a light in somebody's life can can change change a lot for people um and that's that's all i look to be is just a a spark or a light for people a resource and um i just believe that's what god's put me here here to do and uh continue to use my platform to do so
5: green bay packers running back aaron jones is making an impact this offseason distributing a total of 1,025 shoes to students throughout the state of Wisconsin.
0: I'm going on the field and I'm telling you guys, from day one when we run this campaign, hey, I'm not just playing for myself, I'm playing for the community as well. It's
5: part of his Shoes for Yards campaign, where he donates a pair of sneakers for every rushing yard he earned on the field last season.
0: You get to see some of the people that you're affecting and meet them, and you get to see the smiles that you put on their faces. It's just big, and it doesn't matter if the effect is big or small. You know, I just, I made an impact and that's all I can, that's all I can do. So um, I'm going to continue to do that, continue to strive for greatness and make an impact in these great communities. Talking
5: to students at Audubon Middle and High School, he called it leveling the playing field. Ensuring that all kids have equal access to athletic equipment and education.
0: Now, it's so common that athletes have have to go to JUCO or they have to go NAI or schools uh, smaller schools when they they've had these D one offers, but they they're not they're not qualifying or they're not qualifiers. I just feel like athletes sometimes they when they get up here in front of kids and stuff they when they talk they they don't necessarily talk about school, but that's where um, it's, it starts. Maybe it's not something that we want to learn or what's being taught they we will use in the outside life but if this is what you got to do to make it to the next level or get to where you want to do you got to realize that and like it so i just want to advocate to them hey school is very important like you get to get to where you want to go you got to go to school so
5: making a difference and having an impact is something that Joan sees as a responsibility.
0: A lot of people can get in positions and not use their platform and uh, so I just want to use my platform and be a resource to be a resource in the community for these kids um, and even the plan field for them you know whatever it may be um, be there but be a resource for them. The A&A All The Way Foundation,
5: it's always a family affair.
0: My mom is very hands-on with, with the charity, uh, you know, and she's always been very hands-on in, in, in my life, whether it's uh, school, sports, and now, now this is uh, giving back in the community. And uh, I, I think one of the reasons she's so involved is because it's one of her passions and joys as well, giving back, and that's kind of how we... Uh, me and my brother and the rest of our family got started into giving back was my parents. So uh, it's the foundation that brought us up, and I found that that's my pride and joy.
5: Tony Cartagena, WTMJ News.
1: What a great story. Giving back. A lot of guys talk about giving back. He gives back. One of the things that strikes me is that we have two running backs in Green Bay that are not only very talented, but also love Wisconsin, give back to Wisconsin, are such important parts of our community, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones.
3: Yeah, Dillon's got a key to the city in Door County, for goodness sake. He shows up at high school basketball games in Green Bay and just riles up the crowd. That's amazing. Right? He just had a baby, and he and his wife are a loving life in Green Bay. And Jones still calls me sir in the Packers locker room, and I, I tell him every time, like, Aaron, could you just... I get it, and he's part of a military background. Yep. It's always, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, man. I was like, can you just call me Greg, please? Like,
2: you like, call just, him Showtime? You just, you, it, just, you just try and get a nickname back, maybe? Right,
3: and maybe I should offer that as an opportunity, right? We'll, well, we'll both kind of make up something, but he is he is the real
1: deal on and off the field. He's a good one. One of the good guys. Hey, coming up, we're going to have Debbie help get you home, and then I want you to think about this topic. We're going to discuss, and I'd love for you to weigh in, the old National Bank talking text lines, 855 Kids that are... Past college graduation age, mid-twenties and older, who are done with school and are living in their parents' home. Should they be charged rent? Or is it no? Parents, it's their kid. Parents shouldn't charge them rent. Yes or no? Parents don't need the money. Let's make that assumption. Parents don't need the money, and the kids are living in their house. Should the parents be charging those kids rent? If they're in their mid to upper 20s, yes or no? 855-616-1620. Your call is up next. Uh. If your children are in their 20s and are living at home, should you be charging them rent? Is it right to charge a kid rent? Let's make a couple assumptions here. The parents don't need the money. So let's take that part out of the equation. If the parents do not need the money and the kid is living at home and they're over the age of, I don't know, let's say 20, done with high school, should they be being charged rent? The Old National Bank talking text lines 855-616-1620. Right now, more than 50% of U.S. adults who are between 18 and 29, so up to 30, are living at home with their parents. More than fifty percent are living at home with their parents.
2: So almost of everyone that you meet that's in their twenties, one of them is living at home.
3: Yep, according to that survey this so week. I, I feel like there should be a. I feel like we should advance the age or dial it in, because if I'm twenty and out of college and I'm looking for a job back in Milwaukee area, my parents live in the area and. Maybe we set a parameter or I could get three months, right? Get this thing yeah, figured out. That's fair. I, I would say, no, I'm not going to charge my daughter to live with us. But if she's 24 and got a job or maybe in between
1: jobs, if if you have to be with us, yes, this is the world you live in. Now, I you would say I agree with you, except if they're in between jobs, I think I'd cut my daughter some slack. Maybe, yeah. Right, right if they had lost a job. But by and large... Absolutely. You need to be paying rent. Now, if there's a medical situation, if you've recently got divorced and you're 27, if you've lost your job, I get it. Those are all very different things, and you're not going to let your child fail, and you're going to take care of them. But if you are working a job, you need to pay something, even if it's not what you would pay on the open market, right? I mean, I'm not going to charge my daughter $1,500 to live in our basement, But I'm going to charge her something. For one thing, I think it's important that she realize that life costs money. And even if she wants to save for a house or do whatever, she needs to have some skin in the game where she's currently living. And I think they need to pay something.
2: I think if you don't pay something, then you don't value it. If it's absolutely free and you get the unconditional love of your parents and free room and board for as long as you want, I think the the child probably won't value it as much truly value it and i think it's a recipe for resentment because there's no sort of i'm not saying you have to drop a contract but at least if you say hey it's going to be 400 bucks a month and by the way you know you live with your parents there's going to be laundry there's going to be all these expenses and costs that you're not going to pay you're not going to pay electricity like all of these other things you 're probably going to get some home cooked meals you know right. you 're going to benefit a lot, no matter how much you pay for rent, even if you were like nope it 's two thousand bucks a month it 's what it would be for a house payment, but we 'll put it in an account and we 'll give it back to you later. Like I think there are some elegant solutions to charge a child so they value it, but still also reward them.
1: I have twin daughters that are right in this age range, and both of my daughters have lost their jobs in the last five years, and they 're both working now with good jobs, but they' both lost their jobs they 've both been in tough spots. And so I know it is so your gut reaction as a parent is I want to let them live with us. And my daughters live far away. So we had the added if they come home, then they're home. Oh, my gosh. I'd give anything to have the girls in the house. And that's special. And that's magical. But you have to teach them responsibility. And if they're in between jobs, I get it. That's different. But inherently, I believe that what do you teach them if you if you pay for it because you want them to be in the house I think even if they're saving for a house or saving for a wedding or doing any of that stuff, you need to charge them something, and maybe you amend what that amount is, just so that they understand what what's at stake and it, what's involved. The why is important. Like, why do you want to live with me? Like, why do you want to live with
3: mom and dad again? What what what's the plan? What's the end game here? And it might be that's a that's a reasonable idea. I my <laughs> lease is coming to an end. I'm about five months away from being able to have a down payment on a house. I'm looking at houses right now. I don't want to sign a one-year lease. So here's my in-between situation. Can I just live with you? Well, yes, yeah, absolutely. Let, let's do this together. That'd be great. But I think I'm in your mindset shot. If you're working, I'm, I'm cutting you a big break with what you'd be paying to live at, at home while
1: you can also save and, and look for the house that you want. I want to bring Adam into the conversation because Adam's in this in this age range. He's the only one of us that's in this age range. And he looks like his head's about to explode. Well, I don't know about that. I think you'd be surprised, John. I'm actually right 100% in the camp with you. Like, So I'm 29, and it was kind of the expectation once I finished college at, in lacrosse and went about my life that, all right, you're out there. You're getting things figured out. And if you ever were to come home, of course, open arms, obviously, family first. But you're also in your mid-20s, and you should be working. And it's expected that... If you come back home and are taking up a room in our house as an adult, that you would contribute in some way. Now, we had a caller who dropped off and couldn't stay with us, but she made a great suggestion. If you're the parent and your kids are paying you rent when they do move out, she said her parents gave her money back to her to get her on her feet and set up with things like furniture and some basic expenses. Yeah, and Sandy alluded to that. I think that's a yeah, that's a very nice idea. Very generous. Because the money's
2: going somewhere, and if the parents don't need the exactly. money to apply towards yeah. the mortgage payment or exorbitant bills of, of their own, then yeah. there is a way to re- and that's also the reward. Hey, you manage your time, you managed your money. Here's the reward. Yeah. Uh we did get uh an amusing text on the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620 from 414. Absolutely charge rent. We had a 19-year-old who decided to move out on his own, wasn't being charged rent, was taking classes in college, but he decided he wasn't going to do any chores at home. We then mentioned about charging him rent. He then decided to move out, teaching priorities and life <laughs>
1: skills. Uh, for the 262, nope, don't charge rent. My daughter graduated college, has a solid corporate job, and lives at home rent-free. This has allowed her to build her emergency fund plus living expenses for three to six months. She pays for her cell phone and car insurance, but no rent. All right, I, I can get that if it's for three months. I, I okay, I could probably get behind that if it's for three months and she's just out of school and you're letting her build. But man, you got to put a, you got to put an end to that. I mean, that she has to know, like effective July first. Just so you know, you know, you either need to be on your own or you're gonna have to pay something. It allows,
3: it allows you to accomplish a goal too.
1: Yeah, right. You let's, work towards something. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Greg. Uh, let's get a phone call in here. Scott is from Big Bend. Scott, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I feel that as long as the kids
6: are working hard, saving for a future, not doing drugs and doing stupid things, they're more than welcome to live at home. They're your kids, and you're always going to take care of your kids. But when they're spending money foolishly, then you have to say something. But until then, they're always welcome at home.
1: So you said a couple of key interesting things. If they're saving for a house, if they're doing the right thing. So does that mean there's no, no expiration date at all? What if they wanted to still live there when they were 40?
6: No, because I think it really, if you've done your parenting, right, they're going to want to get out on their own. Eventually Um, you teach them to be independent. You teach them to cook, you teach them to clean, you teach them to work on things. So they're going to eventually want to get on their own regardless. Do you have kids that live at home
1: in this age? Uh,
6: Not anymore. They're all out.
1: Hey, Scott, thank you very much for the phone call. Appreciate it very much.